they start to put back together rather well because essentially I'm going to keep coming back to the two things that happened before, which is uh, um, Lara or Laura's kind of view of cycling in the city and uh, a mobile ethnography methodology quite inspired by Katrina's um, previous work. So, first off, what's going to happen? Uh, brief, brief literature review and then my findings, four sections, which is Lycra Warriors, which is a kind of culture and practice of cycling in London, which is not Lycra Louds, so I'm going to say that straight away. Uh, the second one, this is manipulative relations, which is how they actually do the practice of cycling they do physically. Um, how they perceive this, and then the kind of thing that comes out of this, which is a way of inhabiting the city as a whole through cycling. So yeah, introduction. Basically, this is an idea of how do, how do cyclists interact with things bigger than the bike, bigger than themselves, looking at three situations, uh, cultures, subjectivity, wayfinding. The idea being, there have been quite a lot of studies of small tool use. Um, Hammers by the, um, Dant and Tor, uh, Spinney has looked at the bike itself as a tool. Lots of things that people are themselves bigger than, able to use, able to manipulate. And they say that you do this by dwelling. When you drive a car, you feel the way that the car responds. When you go for a bump, you feel it in your own body. When you use a hammer, you feel it yourself hitting something. And that's one type of dwelling. But then there's another type of dwelling, which we all do, which is, you know, when we dwell within our own city or village and we feel a sense of belonging to that. And it's interesting that it's the same word. So what I was looking at is, how do we go between these two things? How do we both dwell within the city in a more tool-like fashion of dwelling within the infrastructure itself physically? This kind of draws on four, four areas, which I'll go through very briefly. Um, there's Effective urban geographies and non-representational theory, which look at how people physically dwell within the cities, the type of habits that make them enjoy living somewhere and they feel safe automatically, as opposed to, say, you know, working out, oh, this is a nice street to walk down. They're kind of that split second, oh, there's a shadow, that might be a mugger kind of thing, and how this interacts with large, yeah, large things. Social practice theory and transition theory is a, is a different way of doing this that focuses again more on the small scale and, um, and this, this will come through later there's also an idea of transition theory and one of the key parts to this that isn't brought out so much in effective urban geographies is I'm going to slow down is, uh, is the innovation niche which is where when you have small practices, small innovations where you may have communities of people and how, how through small communities of people who come up with new practices, this is the way that you create new practices, new learnings, and you start off with a, with a community and their institutional learnings. This can be any scale. It might be an activist group, it might be a sports team, it might even be people that don't even know each other, they just watch other people cycling around the area. And it comes together with these two kind of combined in these two, which is the new mobilities paradigm, which I won't go into because a lot of you know about it. But Beckman has something called the theory of automobilization, which is a concept that we don't have a stable state of, of car use in the country. It's not that we have one way of being in the car and we've kind of linearly developed it as cars have increased and now more people have them. 
is that the pre-existing cultures interact with the technological change so that new cultures develop out of this in a spiral dynamic. So for example, when, when you have a few more cars, then you can do more things by car use, which means that actually there's a greater market for things based upon cars, which in fact invents new practices based upon the car. If you were to invent a spiral of velo, velo mobilization, it would be the same thing. More cyclists, more people interested in cycling, creates new things to do with cycling. It's not so much taking 21st century society and making everyone do everything by bicycle, because they would be fundamentally different. And, um, so the last part is Latham McCormack's understanding of systems, which itself develops upon, upon Beckman. And this has four, four ideas that help you understand systems as opposed to states. Uh, the idea here is that they are emergent and often self-organizing. So for example, rush hour is not is, is the way that everyone independently decides to leave the office at five. Not that actually everyone is told to leave at five, but it still is a self-organizing process anyway. Um, it's also machinic. It's a, it's a mode of organization, not an object. So it's, it's things in relation. It's, say, a, a car is a proportion of the traffic and works in relation to other people on the road. It's not traffic. Um, and you can conceive this better through diagrams and ways of, ways of relating rather than things. And finally, there's expressive materiality, which basically says that there is more to understanding than, than language. For example, rumble strips. When you go over a rumble strip on a car or a bike, you know that you probably should be slowing down. You can feel that through your body even though you know it is probably a, you know, a legal, linguistic idea that it's a good idea to slow down now, you physically feel that it's a good idea to slow down. So, uh, the methodology. I, in London, I followed 10 cyclists uh, from their house to their work and then back again whilst videoing them with a head-mounted camera. This was mainly a problem to do with the difficulties of interviewing people while cycling in London, because you just can't really do it. Um, so, two ways of doing this. I would both write my own field diary when I got back, and then I'd watch this over again, because it's quite hard for myself to, to pay attention to what they're doing when I've also got buses near me. Then, I would show them, I wanted to show them the whole video, but there just wasn't time. So I showed them clips of the video that I thought were interesting, and allowed them, if they wanted to, to look at anything of the video they wanted, and then, uh, then we did two hours of interviews in which we did this. Um, we'll come on to this more later, but actually I found that whilst one of the reasons to use video, not just to judge, to kind of judge, judge your memory, is the idea that somehow looking at the cycling, looking at what's happening, it reminds you what it felt like to be cycling. It's not just watching it, you kind of, kind of get into the feeling, you dwell within the video and you remember what it was like to be there. I actually find that within these urban situations that were very complex and multi-sensual, this didn't really seem to happen that much because the, the, the video was quite alien. What I actually did find is that if you gave them a map and said, can you describe to me your journey, 
because the map was something they did on the road, you actually recreated a sub-practice whilst stable. And they seemed to really talk more emotionally, more embodiedly about what they were doing. Um, and this will, this will be developed. Um, basically, this was set in South London. Uh, it's vaguely along the route of Superhighway Super 7, which will come into it. It's not essential. Um, but it's, this is a new Transport for London cycle route, which is a, basically a big blue cycle route that's supposed to be direct, fast, safe and continuous all the way from Collier's Wood to the city. But if you basically imagine a cyclone that goes along a large arterial road and it's blue, you'll be pretty much okay. Other ideas, uh, that's the city of London. This is the embankment, which is a very large, fast, in fact I think it's about three lanes in each direction, arterial road that goes along the river. And it came up in a lot of people's uh, uh, stories, which I'll put it in specifically. And just as a little bit of contextual information, um, that is the IMAX roundabout in which Justin Spinney's 2007 paper is. So if you're interested, he was kind of around here, and I'm more around here, but we tend to meet in the middle. That's the A24, isn't it? Uh, that's mostly the A3. I think the A24 breaks off and goes down there. No, the A3 breaks off and goes down there. So okay. Okay, fine. Yeah. That's my commute route. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> it. There <laughs> you are. Yeah. Um, so, moving on to what I actually found. Like for warriors. This is a very emotive phrase that one of my first participants used. And it draws on lycra louds, but the fundamental thing is, it's not about lycra louds. And I think it would be good to get away from this. This is Stockwell Tube Station at rush hour. This one and this one are actually immediately after each other. Um, so yeah, it's an alien species of cyclists that made the particular respondent feel quite alone. She was an elderly lady that's been cycling since the 70s. She's very experienced, but she still feels completely alone because the cyclists in this area, well, they look like this perfectly pleasant fellow. He, he must be a nice person. He's, you know, he's got a helmet on, he's cycling very fast, he's leg forward, he's got specialist equipment. You know, this man has a mask. As safe as it makes them feel, it's not creating a particularly nice atmosphere on the road. This is the view from inside the peloton at a different time. And it, it really is on this specific stretch of road, and it's not supposed to be the whole of London, it's this area. It feels like you're in the middle of the Tour de France. You're in about 30 cyclists bombing down the Southwark Road, all trying to get to work. And, yeah... It's a feeling of alone. People, new cyclists, they, they said that they wanted camaraderie, feelings of we're all in this together in solidarity. What they actually got was a bunch of terrified people, all wearing helmets, cycling as fast as they could, and getting in each other's way. They were, they were interfering with each other. Yeah, but it's not an identity they aspire to. People don't want to be a light crowd. There were no messengers, no one was talking about messengers in this area, it might be different in Shoreditch. But this is one person who does cycle, I would say, like a like for warrior. I'd hate the fear factor if I didn't cycle really aggressively. 
he dresses like this and he cycles like this because he himself is afraid. Unfortunately, he scares everyone else. And a third consequential factor of this is that people who have developed ways of coping with the road, they're not so worried about the infrastructure anymore. Leaving, and I don't know if this is a perceptual thing of creating outsiders or if it's an actual problem within activist networks, but it was perceived that some of these people who cycle like this spend absolutely no effort whatsoever on trying to improve the quieter back streets. So, moving on to the next one. Municipal relations. This is how people cycle. This is how your Lycra warriors get away with cycling in the way they do. They are very reactionary and they do, they basically try to survive by being liminal but in control. They cycle very assertively. They don't want to get hit by cars, but they know the cars don't want to hit them. So they learn how to cycle very, very, very in detail on their specific route. And they learn to feel the infrastructure. They learn that people are likely to stop here, or that when you pull out past the bus, you have to make sure this black car isn't also pulling out but across you. And that in certain tunnels, people are likely to just come to a sudden stop and get off their prompting because there's... I think it was a newspaper vendor. Um, but this, so they get in the way of cars to make cars notice them. They overcompensate. But this takes a very in-depth knowledge of the infrastructure so they can overcompensate. Because they're not reacting to what's happening, they're preempting the cars. And this also allows them to do things that other people can't do. Well, to do things that the law shouldn't allow them to do. They, this man jumps the traffic lights because he knows the signal exactly, but he also knows that it doesn't give, people don't respect this, but he has to do it because otherwise he's going to get run over. And that finally, cycling, there's a lot of potential. In Fleet Street, the valley of deaths for cyclists, you can just walk the whole way. If you want to, you can give up and you can get off. So that's how people cycle, very reactively. This is what it feels like to do so. And this is one of the problems with, with looking at the videos, is that it, it, it kind of it had the perception of constant different things happening but not being there. So this is one description, is cyclists don't respect your, the van is just being pushed, you have had a fire engine do that to me, and the car should have stopped there. That's what happens when I was asking people to respond to these very, very complex roundabout situations. Whereas if you, stop, if you quieted them down a bit and gave them a map and asked them to explain it as they remembered it, because they were looking at the map, they described everything along the route very linearly and they didn't miss anything out, but they weren't getting... They finished their sentences, basically, even though they didn't use quite as much description. Um, and what they said is that while cycling, because you have to be so attuned to the infrastructure and absolutely... You know, get to know what's happening so you can preempt cars, you can hear them coming from behind you, not just see what's happening in front of you. That you kind of, yeah, you displace yourself from your body. Your mind is about what you need to be doing rather than your physical self. And, you know, you can relax into this white line, or you can, you can relax into the blue, which might not be a particularly good idea if the cars don't respect it, but I can't really say whether or not they do, that's outside the focus of this study. But people could feel, feel the road. People were saying that at traffic lights, they, they felt the vibration of the cars behind them 
through their body and they understood how much traffic there was, should they be afraid, do they need to get ahead, can they be quite relaxed, or, or, or do they need to look behind. But yeah, they, they inhabited the infrastructure, they dwelled within the vibrations of the road, they understood how to move between different types of technology, of, of, of traffic lights, etc. And they definitely did feel that they were more than just a bike on a landscape, that they were somehow dwelling within the landscape. But the opposite to this, much to do with the rhythm and the feel, is that it was quite nice when they were going fast. They dwelt outside, they didn't really concentrate on fear. When they stopped, such as here at Borough Market, everything comes rushing back. You seem to breathe in, you go, okay, what's just been happening while I've been concentrating on going fast? Well, and you've stopped. What you suddenly go is, I'm behind a bus, three taxis, and everything's across me, and there's some roadworks. Which is odd, because it means that the, the worst places are, say, traffic lights, really. They're where you feel everything coming behind you. They're also the bit you remember the most, because it's where your flow is broken. So basically, they're twice as bad. And then, finally, dwelling in place, which is the reaction of this, the cultural reaction to, to the feeling of dwelling within infrastructure so as to, to, to manipulate it, people became very, very strongly, strong emotions about the city itself. And I'll go through this line by line. It made people love London, actually like really like the city as a symbolic level, because they physically knew how to get between the different parts of it. Someone else described it as, even if everything goes wrong, the tube's on strike, possibly, and we get invaded, I can still get home. Um, yeah, and it, it, there seemed to be something specific about the joined-upness, as opposed to the, the island-type tube. People were saying they disliked going into a tube, coming out again somewhere else. This way they go between them. And they get things that are theirs, their little bit that gets them off the road. They know how to use this little junction that takes a bit of effort, actually. And that finally, whilst they're on the road, they get to experience all these pedestrians at Parliament Square. It felt very vibrant, and they liked this. And it made them love the city, because London's vibrant, and that's what they wanted. Yeah, that's, that's everything.